Hey, this is Lauren Hargrove, co-pastor of Gravetop Church with the Revive Moms podcast. I hope this message makes a difference in your life and truly revives your soul. Enjoy. We are talking about high expectations. And let me ask you an opening question. Have you been plagued with these unreachable and over-the-top expectations that maybe you've placed on yourself? Do you have so many goals and ambitions, to-do lists, and desires to be the best you, the best mom, the best wife, the best employee or spouse um, or boss, or the best anything or everything? Do you wake up feeling sometimes hopeful and energized? Maybe. I mean, I highly doubt it for most of us with our beautiful children. But do you wake up feeling energized and full of zeal to do it all and by the end of the day feel disappointed, irritated that you didn't accomplish what you told yourself that you would? There are so many expectations that you've placed on yourself, but there is only one of you juggling it all. You give yourself no grace, no understanding, or no slack sometimes to be easy on yourself. You're overburdened and your shoulders feel so heavy from carrying the load of all there is to do and all you desire to be. We forget about the in-betweens, the fatigue that is so real, especially in motherhood. You know, we used to always say before being a mom, I'm so tired today. Like, I'm so tired. Do you remember that? Like, no, I really am so tired. But then after being a mom, it's like when people who don't have children say that, you're just like, like, you have no idea. (laughs) And I feel like it's just a whole different fatigue, right? So the in-betweens of fatigue or just the simple humanity inside of us, the discouragement, the unpredictable circumstances that interfere, the reality, the process, and the time that it all takes, the in-betweens. We try so hard to control the perfect outcome for all of our plans and endeavors, and when the plans get off track, we throw our hands up in frustration. But what if we stop trying to control it all for once? Stop trying to create these super high and unrealistic expectations for ourselves, and began to just live, trying our best and forgetting the rest. <laughs> you know, for those of you who are a part of Grey Top or heard um, some of our absolutes, our values, things that we believe in, one thing we always say is try your best and forget the rest. You know, and so that's something that you might hear Homer always say too. But honestly, that sounds like a cute, funny, pretty statement, but are we doing that? Are we trying our best and forgetting the rest? So many times these high expectations have come from our childhood maybe, maybe our parents, maybe those um, of influence around us, maybe our relationship with God, or maybe simply ourselves. Who is putting these high expectations on you? Expectations are good, don't get me wrong. High expectations encourage us to reach higher, to go farther than we thought we could. This is all good, but unrealistic high expectations paired with no mercy or understanding or grace will lead us to a place of irritation, frustration, and ultimately burnout. There, are some, there is some sort of balance 
to these expectations, goals, ambitions, and pursuits. So today we're really going to dive into that as we relieve some of the pressure and find peace in the journey again. And you know, this, um, this whole concept of high expectations was will, really um, spoke to me this week. And for those of you who know or don't know, I um, recently decided to um, seek out Christian counseling. I haven't done that really ever. Um, I've had like different prayer sessions and stuff, but I felt like recently, um, um, as I had, was transparent with y'all, different anxieties were coming up. All these different things hit me out of nowhere the past couple of months. And I was like, you know, why am I going to sit here and just deal with it? And just like, oh, like what's going on? any longer than I need to. I was like, you know what? It wouldn't hurt to seek out Christian counseling and talk about it, figure it out, gain understanding of what I'm feeling with and deal with it so I can move on. You know, I didn't want to waste any time. And so I did. And one thing she really helped me realize this past week was I have these really high expectations of myself, but so high that I'm constantly feeling guilty or feeling not enough or feeling, you know, these, they're unrealistic expectations. And, um, it has brought me to a place, especially in motherhood that I feel like, um, isn't healthy. Um, and not like I'm like every day, like, Oh, like beating up Lauren and like, you're not doing good enough. It's not even like that. It's just settle if that makes sense. And, um, but I, she helped me to realize it's something I need to address so that I don't burn myself out and don't feel these negative feelings that I shouldn't. And so I don't know if any of y'all have ever felt that way. Maybe you haven't, maybe you have, but that is what we're talking about today. And I pray that it speaks to you specifically where God needs to speak to you. And so we're going to talk about three things today. One is for myself. So high expectations for myself. The other one is for others. And the last one is from God. So give me one moment here. All right, so let's talk about the first one, and that is for myself. I'm going to start out with a verse, and it's actually a thicker a couple of scriptures together, and it's um, Paul talking, and um, it's in Romans 7, 14 through 25. So just listen in as I read this little segment here, and it says, So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So am I not the one doing wrong? It is, so I am not the one doing wrong. It is a sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyways. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am, am, I, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. 
This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Have you ever felt like Paul before? I mean, have you ever, sometimes the way he's talking, I feel like is the way we talk. I mean, I want to do what's right, but then I don't, but then I do, but then I'm trying to. And then you know what I mean? Like I keep, you know, I'm doing right. I'm doing wrong. I don't know. I'm so, do I, I sound crazy. Do I make any sense? <laughs> you know, how many times have we talked like that, felt like that, you know, said things like that. And Paul wrote majority, a whole, uh, how much percent, babe? I don't even know if he hears me, but 70% <laughs> of the New Testament, right? Yeah. Um, of the New Testament, he wrote 70%. He was a huge um, person in sharing the gospel. Like he made such a different, like he wrote 70% of the New Testament. Like he's doing big things for God and he struggles just like we do. He struggles so much to... Um, you know, not do what is right when he wants to, or in just have this war inside of him. So it's not just you. You're not the only one that feels crazy, sounds crazy, and can't get it right every time. And, and so we're talking about high expectations for ourselves. Imagine Paul like, man, I'm writing, you know, 70%. I'm sure at the time he didn't, you know, think, well, I'm writing 70% of the New Testament, but he was doing great things for God. Imagine the expectations he must have had on himself. Like, you know, like I'm a man of God now. God transform me. I got to get this right. You know, he's even the one who said, um, if you remember the when we talked about before, where he's like, God, there's a thorn in my flesh. Take it away. He prayed three times for God to take it away. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is best in your weakness. He had weaknesses. He was begging God to take away the things that were making him feel like a failure, making him feel not good enough, making him feel like he was missing the mark. But God's grace was enough. And so as a mom, I know it's easy for me to see only my failures instead of the countless wins sometimes. At the end of the day, I don't know if you do this, but sometimes I reflect and I analyze every interaction I had with my kids, whether it's intentional or not intentional. I wonder, did they enjoy their day? Do they know that I love them? Was I too hard on them? Why did I lose my cool? I should have been more patient. I needed to spend more quality time with one or the other. These are all my thoughts, right? Did I give them too much screen time? Am I teaching them enough? Am I cherishing every moment or am I just so focused on the next season to come? How did they get sick? I should have known, I should have protected them. Am I a good enough mom? I don't wanna mess them up. Did they feel heard and understood? The thoughts go on and on. And I know as moms, we try so hard. Being a mom is all consuming in every way, especially mentally. We are constantly in our heads about everything and it can be exhausting. We wanna get it right all the time. We wanna be the best mom we can be. And when we fall short, we feel like the worst. But deep down, I know I am trying my best and I know that you are too. I'm almost convinced that our children fondly remember the amazing things we did for them today rather than the moments of weakness. 
so it's time to embrace our humanity, our weaknesses, our inability to get it right every time and be confident in the amazing woman that we are. The strong, talented, caring, intentional, sacrificial, loving, nurturing, creative, godly, resilient woman that you are. Be proud of yourself because you are doing one of the hardest jobs on the planet, honestly, and you're doing it well. You're doing, you are doing, uh, you're surpassing expectations. You are doing a superb job and you inspire other moms around you. And you might be hearing this being like, yeah, but not me. No, yes, you. So give yourselves a little bit of grace and understanding. Give yourself the same advice that you would give the next mom who is being too hard on themselves. What if one of us called the other one and said, man, you know, I just, I suck. Like, I'm just getting it wrong. You know, I'm just, I yelled at my kid today and and I feel so bad. Or, you know, I this or that, or am I not doing enough? What would you tell them? What would you say? I'm sure you'd be like, girl, you are doing awesome. Like, oh my gosh, like blah, 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 right? Give that same advice to yourself and take it as if it's true because it is. You weren't meant to be perfect and get it right all the time. God, your family, and your kids aren't even expecting that. They simply want the real you and they are proud of you. And so ending this point on this verse, Philippians 3, 12 through 14, it says this. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Once again, Paul is saying, dude, brothers and sisters, I have not got it. I have not reached perfection. Some of y'all might have thought that, but I have not. But what I do do is I forget the past. I forget my mistakes. I forget my shortcomings. I forget my mess ups. I forget what's hurt me. I forget the past. And I am choosing to focus on what lies ahead. I'm going to press on even when I'm tired. I'm going to reach the end of the race that God's called me to do, to reach. I'm going to fulfill the purpose as a mother and as a woman of God that I am called to do. If we're so focused on looking back at our past and our mess ups and our hang ups, we're going to get stuck there. We're going to get caught in this cycle of negativity. We're not going to be able to look forward and see what lies ahead. So you have to forget it and move on. So expectations for ourselves. Moving on to expectations for others. So let's talk about that. High expectations for others. <clears throat> Does it irritate you when others don't do what you expect them to do? Maybe here's some examples. Maybe when your husband, um, not Homer, of course, but when your husband doesn't automatically realize that you're overwhelmed and helps get up and clean the mess that's overstimulating your mind and frustrating you. Or maybe when your kids don't take a nap, even though they're clearly exhausted and you were hoping for that mini break. Or maybe your parents don't play the part of grandparents you anticipated 
and you're drowning in motherhood. Or maybe your friends don't come through after the seventh time canceling. Or maybe your job doesn't give you that promotion after months of busting your butt alongside others who maybe don't. Or when the waitress doesn't give you the good customer service you expected even though they're working in customer service industry. Or when the nail lady doesn't do your nails exactly like the picture you showed them from Pinterest. What are you expecting from others that isn't happening? And it's irritating and constantly disappointing you. But here's what I have found that most times others are oblivious to our expectations, especially when they're not communicated. Others and other times, hold on one second. I lost my place one second. Um, so I have found that most time others are oblivious to our expectations, especially when they're not communicated. Others simply don't realize it. And if they do, then never mind. I don't know what to say. But nowadays, it's so rare to give others the benefit of the doubt. I mean, remember that phrase like, oh, you know, I'm just giving them the benefit of the doubt. Like, you know, just give them the benefit of the doubt. You never know. But I honestly feel like it's so rare to think that or hear that or say that these days. We are always assuming the worst intentions from others instead of assuming the best that what if they didn't mean to blank because they were just having a bad day or fill in the blank you know maybe it's because of this we are so quick nowadays to judge and jump to conclusions without really understanding the full picture we simply expect others to just get it to just do their best and not mess up but if we take a step back and realize that we too don't get it right every time we accidentally hurt others' feelings. We don't often see the obvious needs of our spouse or our friends. We can be selfish sometimes too. Then maybe we can give others a little bit more grace too. Others need grace just as much as we do. We so often demand understanding and grace from others, especially when we mess up. Like, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. Like, what else do you want me to tell you? You know, like, I'm tired. <laughs> you know, like sometimes we're so snappy. <laughs> You know, especially us women and, you know, our hormones and we just expect people to get it and leave us alone. Um, but we are sometimes so stingy to give it out. If we find ourselves frustrated and irritated and disappointed with others frequently, then maybe this might show us that it's time to make some adjustments on our end. I have found that the best way to fix it is simply by communicating our expectations. And we've talked about this before, I think, in our group and different um, points that we talked about. But here we are again, communicating our expectations and coming to a compromise after understanding the other person too. And of course, there's a way to communicate it with love, humility, and gentleness. When we come off aggressive, we're naturally going to respond in defensiveness. So it's all about communicating our expectations, giving grace and understanding. And so expectations for others. I'm going to share a couple of verses. Um, Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians 13, 1 through 7. I'm sure you've heard the love is kind, love is this, love is that, right? There, that's the verse we're talking about. But I'm going to read the full segment of it, the part that comes before. 
And um, so listen, so it says, if I could speak in all the languages of the earth and angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I could understand all of God's secret plans and, and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And here it goes on to the next part. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Or rude. <laughs> it does not demand its own way. And here's the kicker. It's not irritable. Literally, when I've read this before and I get to that part, I'm like, dang, like I get irritated sometimes, you know, like, but love isn't irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. I'll read that again. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Like that is a loaded verse right there. It speaks so much. It's not just this pretty love is kind, like I love it. You know, I see it on the plaque. I have it like in my living room. You know, no, it's so much more. It's saying that we could do all the nicest and greatest things, but if we didn't genuinely love others, then it's pointless. And then when it explains what love is patient, kind, not rude, not irritable, it shows that love isn't just this pretty word that we make it out to be, that love takes work, love takes action, love takes self-control. It takes self-control to not act out in irritability when we're irritated. And I'll be the first to say that I don't always do that well at all. <laughs> I'm working on it and God is speaking to me, right? But it takes self-control and it takes hard work to love this sacrificial, meaningful love. And when we're talking about expectations for others, when we choose to love others and know that not everyone's gonna meet our high expectations, we're gonna be frustrated with others, they are gonna let us down, disappoint us and break promises. When we learn to just expect that, not in a negative way, but to understand that, then, it, then we can choose to love them a little bit easier, realizing like, I'll be patient. I'm not going to be irritated. I'm not going to keep record of you wronging me like you have, etc., etc. Love is hard work, but it is worth it. And it is, you know, what God is calling us to do. And in reading this uh, scripture again, imagine putting, you know, God is love, right? You hear that. God is love. Well, imagine reading it like this. God is patient and kind. God is not jealous, boastful, and rude. God doesn't demand his own ways. He is not irritable, and he keeps no record of being wrong. He doesn't rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. God never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and he endures with us through every circumstance. I mean, how powerful is that? That is who God is to us. Ending on these two verses on this point, James 2, 12 through 13, it says, So whatever you say and whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that, you, that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have shown no mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. 
That's a pretty intense verse. And what it's saying is the measure of mercy and forgiveness we give out is the measure that we receive. You know, sometimes have you met people that are just so like rigid and like have no mercy for others and don't understand others and have no compassion for others and like, nope, nope, they should have known, you know, but what about those people that are so merciful? Like, it's okay. I understand like that is who God calls us to be. And the measure that we give is the measure that we receive. And so expectations for others and ending on our last point. What about these high expectations from God? Do you feel like there are high expectations that God is putting on you? So what about, uh, let me ask you this question. What's up with filters these days, right? You know, there's filters on every social media platform um, on our phone. You know, like we literally can't take a normal picture without wanting to slap a filter on it, right? I mean, me included. It just makes you look better, right? A filter to hide the real us and make us appear prettier, flawless, and perfect, right? Is that what we do with our relationship with God? Do we slap on an image of perfection or try to win his approval by perfect performance and meeting his high expectations? Do you feel like God is watching your every move and waiting for you to just mess up again? Does it seem like God is always disappointed in you and you're walking on eggshells trying to please him? So you try to put to, to filter out the negative and just show him the positive side of yourself? Well, this perception is false and far from the truth of God's view of you. He doesn't want the show. He doesn't want the false filter of perfection. He doesn't want you to be afraid to be yourself around him. I mean, have you ever had a friend or your spouse or a family member that you're like, oh, I can be myself around them. Like, they don't judge me. Like, I'm just like, this is me, you know, like, and you feel like so good. Do you feel like that with God? I mean, that's a sobering question. Can you honestly say, yeah, I, this is me, God. Like, you feel like you can be yourself. And, you know, sometimes like you might be yes right away and sometimes no. And for me, like I had to ask myself that question this week. I was like, I mean, yeah, but like, do I, you know, um, you know, he wants the real and unedited version of you. You don't have to be afraid of God and afraid of not being enough for him. He knew that we couldn't meet the expectations of the law. The Ten Commandments, what you know, what the Bible, we he knew ahead of time that we couldn't meet those expectations. He knew that we are, were flawed and human, incapable of never sinning, and yet he still wanted us. He still chose us knowing that we couldn't meet those expectations. He wanted us so much that he was willing to sacrifice his son who could pay the price for our sins that we could st so that we could still have a relationship with him sanctification what does that mean you know becoming more and more like jesus getting rid of our old life and our old negative ways and taking on our new life and the things that please god sanctification is a process holiness and our good works progressively grow over time as we lean into god 
But these things do not grant us access and approval from God. Simply believing in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior does. It's about our heart. So God, these high expectations you feel maybe that God's put on you, those aren't from God. That heaviness, that that walking on eggshells, afraid to be yourself, trying to get his approval and attention by doing it all right. He already knew. He's here to say, you're not going to do it. <laughs> you can't meet these high expectations. It's okay. I want you how you are, just like you are. Will we grow in sanctification and holiness and being more and more like Jesus? That, yes, and that is important. But the Holy Spirit does that work in our lives, in the journey of our Christianity. And so I'm going to read three verses as we close up right now. First John 4, 16 through 18, it says, We know how much God loved us, and we put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for the fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. And so what is this saying that... <clears throat> His perfect love takes away all the fear that if we're still fearful of God and his love, then that means we're afraid of punishment from him. We're afraid of judgment. But if we are living in Christ and we accepted him and we are loved by him, then he's saying there's no need to fear me anymore, that I'm not here to point a finger and judge you, that Jesus Christ has made you righteous and that you no longer have to fear because he has perfect love for you. In Hosea 6, 6, it says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. What does that mean? God really just wants us to love, to show love to others, to love him. He says, I rather you just know me, seek me, know me who I am, instead of giving me all these burnt offerings. Instead of like, here, God, I'm doing this for you. Do you see me over here? I'm, give, I'm doing all this right stuff. I, I did all these Hail Marys or I did all this or I did this ritual or I did this. You see me, God? Do you love me? And God's like, I don't want that. All I want is your love and for you to know me. So he doesn't want the show. He doesn't want all these sacrifices. He just wants you. And ending on this verse, 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. And so he's not looking at the filter. He's not looking at your outward appearance. He's not looking on the, the filter of perfection you're trying to show God. He sees literally right through it. He sees you for who you are, the real you just as you are and he chooses to look at your heart and see much more than that he chooses to love you and see you past the imperfection past what you're trying to hide you can't hide anything from him and yet he still chooses you and he still loves you mm -hmm.
I hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to connect with you. Follow Revive Moms on Instagram and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. If Revive Moms has been life-giving to you, then we'd love to connect with you as a church family. To learn more about Gravetop Church, visit gravetop.com or follow us on social media at Gravetop Church. Thanks for listening.